everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence St. Joseph Health Medical Experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Runoff, and here with me today is Dr. Jamie Beckerman. He's the Medical Director of Providence Heart and Vascular Institute at St. Vincent Medical Center in Portland, Oregon. And today we're answering your questions about the Heart to Start exercise program. Remember everyone, all of your questions come from our listeners via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc, that's hashtag Talk with a Doc, for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Okay, let's get started by welcoming our expert today, Dr. Beckerman. Well, let's get started today with a very easy one. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Beckerman. I am a cardiologist. I've been here at Providence St. Joseph Health for about 13 years and I'm also the medical director of our prevention and wellness program. Wonderful. And why is it that you're so passionate about heart health? I'm so passionate about heart health because I think that all of us uh, can strive to become a better version of ourselves. And the ways that we do that um, through what we eat, through um, how we move, through what we do every day, I feel like there are so many opportunities for little wins for everybody to achieve something more and those add up and so i i kind of relish the opportunity to help people on that journey oh that's pretty amazing well since we're here today to talk about heart to start let's get started with the easiest part what is it heart to start is a multi-state 5k training program um and we started back in 2012 and have moved to about eight lip eight different locations uh, in Oregon and Washington. And our goal is to help people walk or run uh, their first 5K. And so we do that with a free program that meets weekly and provides um, a little bit of a curriculum, you could say, towards uh, getting it done. And how many weeks is the program? Uh, We're typically 12 or 13 weeks. And do they run concurrently in different locations? So uh, given that we have so many locations now, there is a Heart to Start program that's always happening, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not it's happening in your neck of the woods based upon, is based upon where your neck of the woods is. So uh, right now we have a a program uh, going on in one of our locations outside of Portland, and we'll be starting up a Portland location um, in the coming months. And so there's always something happening. And you guys, um, you're based here in Portland, and I know Base Camp, which is your prevention program, is based here. But you actually have these Hearts to Start programs working outside of Oregon as well with other people in the healthcare system. We do. Uh, we're thrilled to be able to partner with our colleagues um, in Spokane and Walla Walla, and we're optimistic that we'll be able to share our program with even more locations. We've gotten lots of interest. Right. And what prompted you to start the program? That's a great question. Um, It was all the way back in 2012. So if I can remember back that far, (laughs) you know, it was actually um, one of my friends in the uh, marketing department who is a big runner. And she had done tons of ultra marathons and marathons, et cetera. And I had done a few myself. And one day we were just talking and she said, just kind of randomly, like, wouldn't it be fun to do a 5K training program Mm -hmm. here at Providence? I'll admit it's not something that I had really thought about before. And 
we thought, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to do. We'll just meet on Wednesdays after work. We'll pick a track and get people to show up. And we just started doing it. And so initially when it was started, it really wasn't even a a Providence Heart Institute program. It was more just a couple of people thinking that it would be fun to train other people to run a 5K. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a runner or fast walker <laughs> for <laughs> for 25, 30 years and thought, you know, I've gotten a lot out of this and really enjoy it. I've met a lot of great people and thought it would be great to share that with other people. And so from those very modest beginnings, you know, as most startups have, um, it's grown. And we're thrilled to be able to offer the program in multiple locations uh, throughout the year. Um, tons of engagement from the community. And uh, now it, it just, you know, as things do, it feels like it has a life of its own. And yeah. I'm excited to see how it grows next. That's amazing. Well, I like that you said fast runner because I'm a, and I'm using air quotes, runner three, four days a week, but it's really more of a, I jog and then I sprint and then I walk fast. I think a lot of people would ask, can I join this program if I haven't been a runner before? Yeah, I think that's the best reason to join it. Um, our goal is to get people across the finish line. And in order to do that, you have to go to the starting line first. And that starting line is different for lots of people. Uh, you might be somebody who was a runner back in your high school days and you haven't done it in 25 years. Uh, you might be somebody who um, recently had a heart attack and you're scared about the idea of doing something more substantial uh, physically. And so we welcome people from every different background and uh, walk of life, so to speak. And um, the purpose of the program is to get people to a place that makes sense for them. And so, at, you know, at a typical workout, you'll see some people sprinting around the track. You'll see some people walking. Um, You'll see young moms pushing strollers. You'll okay. see elderly couples holding hands and, you know, using a, a, a cane or walking stick. So we love that we get such a diverse population. That's really the point in some ways. That's great. Well, one of the questions you kind of just touched on, but how good of shape do I need to be to start? Uh, you just need to be able to drive to the track, I think. that's <laughs> So as long as your, your foot works, you'll be fine. So... Yeah, it, this is for everybody. And we have had participants who who were at the stage of fitness where walking around a high school track once would seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then three months later, they're moving across the finish line of a 5K. So we know that most, if not everybody, can do it. It's just a question of having a good uh, support system to make it happen. It's really impressive to me how quickly you can kind of develop a really good kind of cardiac um, or cardio program. Like you can go from where walking 100 feet is tough to actually walking a mile or two miles. How quickly do you develop that kind of ability to go further distances? It's amazing. Uh, You know, our bodies are so uh, adaptive and resilient. And you realize, given that it only takes a month to see a substantial difference that our bodies are supposed to be doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we know that our bodies are designed to be active. And so it's kind of must feel strange to our bodies when we aren't. Right. And so by, um, 
using a, a, a program that sort of builds upon itself. It's an interval training program, so we get a little bit more challenging every week. And even within the workouts themselves, we uh, mix just slow, casual walking with a more intentional uh, fast walk or jog or run or whatever works for you. And by doing it in that way and just being consistent after just weeks, people really see a difference. That's awesome. We have a lot of questions from people about the program and they're very tactical questions. Um, What's the minimum age and can I bring my kids? I know you talked about pushing a stroller, but what about like a toddler or seven or an eight-year-old? We've seen every age. Um, I love seeing uh, young parents pushing strollers and then you know, as you'd think, they have to bring their other kids too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I remember this past season, um, there were these two boys, I think they were probably about six and eight, and uh, they decided that they were going to walk and run with me the entire workout every time. <laughs> and so they were like glue, and it was just hilarious. They were like my little, you know, coach, coaching assistants, and oh, um, they were there with their parents, and I think one of their grandparents and it was just what their family decided to do so we love uh the idea that a family would want to experience something like this together that's a great family activity yeah yeah so much better than watching a movie on the couch eating popcorn yeah um well this question says what if i miss the first one or two sessions can i still join or do i have to wait for another group you can absolutely join. Um, we've had people who join us for just one workout the whole season, who come sporadically, who join in later in the season. And the reality is, um, you know, the m- message we want to share is that it doesn't matter when or where you start, but just as long as you start. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though we'd love to be able to offer the program sort of on a continuous basis with a new group starting every day of the week, you know, not everything is going to work for everyone's schedule. And so uh, hopefully people will feel welcome in coming to us at any time. Wonderful. Well, this is a great question, being an Oregon native myself. This is Oregon, so what's your plan if it rains or snows? Get wet and get <laughs> cold. Um, when we started our program, people would ask, the you know, the original Heart to Start program here in Portland um, goes from November through February every year. And people ask us, why is it then? Why do you meet in the evening? You know, it, this is so inconvenient <laughs> and cold and wet. And part of it is that that's the point. Because if you can exercise consistently in Oregon in the winter, you can do anything. anything. Yep. And so empowering people to be active during those times of the year that they are least likely to be active. Mm -hmm. Our hope is that we can keep that going when the sun comes out and the days are longer too. That's great. Well, it begs a question that a lot of people ask, which is, is running in the cold air bad for my lungs? I don't know that it's bad for your lungs, but it is true that there is a smaller percentage of people who may have asthma or exercise induced Mm -hmm. asthma, which basically means that when you exercise, it it causes some inflammation in your lungs that may make your breathing a little bit more challenging. Some of those people uh, might find that cold air is a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than moving to a very different location, um, we can't really help you out too much. Um, so I, I think that, you know, obviously engaging in any kind of exercise program makes sense to check in with your healthcare provider to make sure it's a good match for you. 
but uh, I'm happy to say that in you know many seasons and many locations, uh, people seem to thrive. Wonderful. Well, this is a question says, do I need any equipment or is it just walking and running shoes? You do not need any equipment other than walking and running shoes awesome. or both. Well, yeah, no. Um, that's the, the nice thing about this kind of activity is that it doesn't cost anything other than a pair of shoes. And um, you don't have to be particularly prepared, so to speak. You don't have to have any special set of skills. Wearable technology is always fun, but not required. True. And some people love it. You know, we, we've seen in recent years more and more people... Um, you know, doing something where they, you know, check their watch or mm-hmm. check their phone uh, throughout the workout. And if that works for you, that's great. Um, but I, I think that it shouldn't be a requirement to participating in something. And more than anything, we're hoping that for the time people are with us, it's a really intentional present time. And we welcome people to engage with other participants. And so however that works for you works for us. So it's very much a community kind of driven program where you do want people to talk to each other, maybe somebody they've never met before, but kind of self-encouraging and then encouraging others. Totally. And we really try to keep it light. You know, we have uh, trivia contests at the end of every oh, workout. Fun. We have the ugly sweater contest <laughs> around the holidays. Um, uh, I think there's a Super Bowl uh jersey uh uh thing that we do so we we try to have a good time and the fact that we are also getting our participants out into the community to do community service which is an important Mm -hmm. part of the program um we hope that people bond in that way as well wonderful well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to actually talk about the community service angle
back with Talk with the Doc. Today, our guest is Dr. Jamie Beckerman from Providence St. Vincent Medical Center, and we are talking about the Heart to Start program. Right before the break, we talked a little bit about the community service aspect of what your group does. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, when I was in high school, I actually never played sports. I wasn't an athlete at all, but I always admired um, the lacrosse team, strangely Mm. enough, because their coach um, forced, and I do mean forced, uh, the athletes on the lacrosse team to do community service. If you wanted to be a member of his team, you had to do community service. And uh, I recognize that, you know, for your typical high school sophomore, that might be pretty unappealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, even back then, I appreciated the idea that the coach was trying to teach these kids, these kids something in addition to how to handle a lacrosse stick you know it it was about something bigger than themselves and it's interesting we always hear about sports as a way to help people um improve in other areas of their life to you know improve their sense of discipline or character or whatever the thing seems to be and so when we started this program that always stuck with me. And I thought that, you know, once we get this program to a point where we have a lot of people coming out, there's, um, you know, a lot of community support by it behind it. I thought it would be really cool to start giving back. And so a few years ago, we added this element of community service to the program, different from the lacrosse coach. We don't require it. You're not voluntold to do it. Yeah, exactly. Voluntold. Um, (laughs) But anybody is welcome to participate. And it's been really interesting to watch the engagement with that. We've created tons of opportunities, whether it be working at the food bank, uh, the Humane Society, cleaning up trails. Um, We've partnered with a few community organizations, um, a a shelter for for women um, and some others to essentially just connect with something outside of yourself um, when we do our kickoff every year for the Heart to Start uh, season, we get everybody together and have kind of a party just to get people excited. And we always have an organization that we are um, serving in the process. And so you might come to that uh, grouping to learn more about Heart to Start, but there will be opportunities to sign up to volunteer or to bring a pair of socks or a toy to Very help nice. somebody else. And so... Um, my, my dream, honestly, is that all of the programs that we do, whether it be Heart to Start or some of our other prevention and wellness-based programmings, all of them could have an element of giving back. And so just sort of normalizing the idea that even as you serve yourself, you are serving others. I think that would be a pretty great world if we could get people thinking that way. Oh, it's beautiful. I want to join right now. I like it. <laughs> Well, I think you kind of touched on part of it. One of the questions we had was, how is your group any different than Couch to 5K and, and why should I? And obviously the community angle is huge, but I would think also having professional clinical people involved is a big difference. Yeah, and one of the things that we've tried to do throughout the season is create a little bit of a curriculum. So if you are a hard-to-start athlete, you'll come to a training session and maybe a nutritionist will be speaking or one of our physical therapists. Um, we have lots of partners in the running community Uh, from shoe stores who can talk Mm -hmm. to you about how to get the best fitting. And so we try to give people experiences that are a little bit just beyond the couch to 5k, you know, 12 week training program. 
And it's been great um, because we are part of this uh, health system to be able to talk to our colleagues that are in different areas, physical therapy, nutrition, um, sports medicine, and give them opportunities to share some ideas with uh, the population that we serve. What would you say to people who are sitting at home saying, there's no way I can walk around a track? I'd say that's what about half of our participants have said. Okay. <laughs> and um, while I don't have statistics uh, next to me, it's my uh, belief that 100% of our participants complete their 5K. Wow. So if you show up, um, then we'll show up for you and, and we'll get it done uh, together. So... Yeah, we have plenty of people who don't think of themselves as people who can or should be exercising. And they're my favorites because it's fun to prove them wrong every time. Sure. Well, it's funny. I, you know, two years ago, I was 120 pounds heavier and I used to make fun of people who got up on Thanksgiving morning to go for a run. And I was like, if I'm ever that person, shoot me. And then now I do it every Thanksgiving. Now, partly I do it so that I can eat more turkey. <laughs> but it is funny because it does take just one step, one program, one thing to really get you off the ground and, and get started. And I think it's beautiful that you guys are doing that because a lot of the questions we got were from people of what if I don't like to run? What if I don't have time because I'm really busy? None of those are really, I mean, sure you can be busy, but they're kind of sound like excuses. Yeah. I, I always think that there's a fine line between the word reason and excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, reasons are things that you can't do anything about. If your foot is broken, you can't right, run on it. Right. That's a reason. Um, an excuse is that it's too cold or that you're, you just don't have enough time in the day. And, you know, hey, all of us have both reasons and excuses for why sure. we do or don't do lots of things. But I think that it's healthy to do a little bit of introspection and think, okay, which one is it? If okay. it's a reason, okay, you know, maybe circumstances will change, but if it's an excuse, then I think we should own it and recognize, yeah, I guess it's an excuse that I have. And if it is an excuse, it means that you can change it. And so hopefully we provide a little bit of that framework and community to help change it. That's great. Well, this question came in, what if I have a heart condition? Can I still participate? Many of our participants have a, have had a heart condition or do have a heart condition. Um, definitely talk with your doctor. Um, most people who have a heart condition can exercise. And I like to think that we have a, a really nice setting in which to do that because we uh, are a, an interval training program. So we start small and we finish uh stronger. And so I think that for a lot of people who are looking at doing something bigger with their exercise or fitness, this is ex exactly the right kind of program. Beautiful. Well, this question is a little bit less about uh, heart to start and more about heart disease, but what are the current rates of cardiovascular disease and what can we do to prevent it? That's a big question. That's like a whole nother episode. Yeah. Heart disease in some way will affect everybody in the sense that one out of two men and one out of three women will die of it. And then, uh, you know, that's going to include your sibling or your parent or your spouse. And so in a sense, everybody's impacted by it. Um, I recognize that health changes as we age. Some things are inevitable, but we can also frame the inevitable in a little bit of a different way. Um, 
you know, if, if there's a cliff somewhere out in the distance, you may not be able to change the fact that it's out there, but you can change the route that you take to get there. Mm, you can change yeah. how fast you'll move toward it or uh, what types of detours you'll take along the way. And so recognizing that everybody wants the longest and most uh, meaningful life possible, um, I think that focusing on these types of uh, interventions to help pace ourselves for that hopefully long journey makes a lot of sense. That's great. Well, um, this question is, what is VO2 max and why is that important? VO2 max is a measurement of the oxygen uptake of your muscles. And I know that sounds pretty medical, but I think of it as a measure of how fit you are. Mm -hmm. So a very fit person will be able to deliver and extract oxygen to and from muscles throughout the body. And so your cardiac system plays a big role because, right, it's the pump, it's the engine that gets the blood where it needs to go. And so there are definitely some things that help to determine what your VO2 max might be. Uh, for example, our VO2 max changes as we age. Even the most fit 75-year-old will have some limitations compared to maybe a less fit 25-year-old. Um, but then there's things that we have a lot to do with, uh, how we take care of ourselves, how we manage our activity level, our, our weight, um, whether we smoke, all that kind of stuff will allow people to take what their maybe baseline VO2 max might be and make it their best. And so it's a measurement that, you know, can be done in a, in a lab, in a hospital setting. Um, it can also be estimated. At the end of the day, your number really doesn't matter so much as what you do and how you feel doing it. And so I don't think that people need to focus necessarily on these types of measurements, but more on their quality of life. Are they able to be as active as they want right. to be? Do they have limitations? Stuff like that. I say the same thing about the scale, right? The number is not necessarily as, as important as how I feel. That's right. And, you know, while, sure, you know, some of these measurements have a correlation with how you might feel and may have a correlation with various aspects of your health don't don't think of them as prescriptive you know like just because my scale says x means that i should do y no it it might be there a little bit as a guidepost but it's it's not not telling you what to do don't get me started on the bmi um <laughs> well this question says who can join and do i have to be a providence patient and i think you've been really clear that this is a everybody's welcome it sure is. And, you know, we love the idea that people are coming to us not even through the Providence system, but rather uh, just from a friend or a coworker or from something they heard about online or on TV. So we, we want to create the biggest tent possible. And so having people from all communities be a part of us makes us better. Well, this person asked, uh, what have been the best outcomes for you? Is it the number of people participating? Are you seeing people get healthier? You know, at the end of the day, all public health is personal. And so what that means is that even though we strive as maybe a hospital system, a healthcare system, or even as individual doctors to impact 
large groups of people. And, you know, oftentimes you'll hear doctors or healthcare systems almost being evaluated by their ability to do that on large scale. Makes sense. But at the end of the day, it's really just about you and the person that's across from you in the examination room or next to you on the track. And so personally, even though I love to see huge groups of people, you know, assemble. And of course I count every time, even though nobody knows (laughs) that I'm doing it. Um, It's the individuals. Uh, It's the people whose stories I get to hear about. Um, Amazing, you know, just touching uh, anecdotes about how something like this made their life better. And as a doctor um, or just as a human, how can that not make you feel awesome that you brought that to them? Oh, absolutely. Well, this is a really good question. It says, if I live in a remote area, can I use your resources and do this on my own? Or can I request a group in my area? We do have people who follow us remotely. Um, We actually, there's one uh, woman who comes to mind who lives on the Oregon coast. And she's uh, a few hours away from our uh, Seaside Oregon program. And she follows every week and will post on our Facebook page or just kind of let me know personally that she's out there and she's doing it. And then she shows up at the race on race day and, um, it's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned race day. So do you have your own 5k that is a hard to start 5k? Because we have multiple programs in different locations, that means multiple 5k's at different Mm -hmm. times of year. But for our, uh, uh, original program uh, here in Portland that runs November to February every year, we do have a sponsored 5K. Um, so we do partner with a race uh, organization because we uh, we don't do that. That's a lot to manage. <laughs> or probably wouldn't do that well. Um, so it's a 5K that's open to everybody from the community. It's a really big event, but a lot of people are wearing red t-shirts from heart to start and so it's nice to get everybody together and people who have been participating remotely or maybe only show up for a handful of the sessions they all get together on that day and we have a great time that's awesome do you carb load the night before everybody always talks about is carb loading the night before a race important I don't think it's important. Um, So I think it's important to clarify first what type of race you're talking about. Are you running a marathon or are you running a 5K? And so nutritional needs for um, athletic competition, however you think of it, they differ depending on what that competition is. For a 5K, I wouldn't personally recommend (laughs) carb loading uh, so much as just, you know, eating, eating healthy. And for a lot of people, making a big effort to eat something that's a little bit different from what you normally eat right Mm -hmm. before a big event like that isn't a good match. Sure. Sure. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, you mentioned earlier that you do it partly for the stories and the inspiration of how you're helping people. Is there any one story that really sticks out in your mind of someone who participated that just really made you feel great about the program? There's a ton of them. Um, One that immediately comes to mind was uh, one year we were, uh, on race day and I stand at the finish line after I complete my 5k and slap everyone five as they cross the finish line. Um, and because many of our participants walk, you know, we can be there for a little while Mm -hmm. while people are are making their way. And I'll never forget seeing, uh, this 
these two women who were really towards the end of the pack. And I noticed that one of the women had her hand on the other woman's shoulder um, as they walked together. And I asked uh, one of our other coaches, you know, why that was. And then once they came into view, I could tell that one of the women was blind and she was leading or being led, excuse me, by her friend. And that was, that was really, um, moving just to see, you know, this person who maybe other people wouldn't identify as somebody who would be doing a 5k was out there doing it her way. And that she had the support of somebody close to her who was also doing it her way. So I think that, that says it. That's beautiful. It also means there's no excuses. I mean, really, it might be cold, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Beckerman, for joining us today on Talk with the Doc and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. You can share your ideas for heart health with Dr. Beckerman through Twitter at James Beckerman. For more information about the exercise program, visit hearttostart.org or find it on Facebook at Heart to Start. We look forward to a future topic with more experts from Providence St. Joseph Health. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening.